0: Way number four to acquire Torah is called Bevinas Halev, with the understanding of the heart. Understanding of the heart. There is understanding, and then there's understanding of the heart. Now, we know that there are many different words used in our literature to talk about knowledge and intellect. There's Chachma, And there's Bina, and there's Das, and there's maybe even Higayon, and Tivuna, which may be a version of of Bina. Lots of different words that you know we can lump together and say intellect. Even even today we talk about emotional intellect and spatial intellect and visual spatial intellect and verbal intellect. The Torah has a system of that as well. What is Bina? Bina Bina's Bina's Halev, the intuition. Of the heart. So, Tama tells us that Bina means Lahavin, Davar, Mitoch, Davar. To understand one thing from amidst another thing. You understand A, and that implies and reveals B, which is not explicit in A. And that's the idea of processing. The heart, that is the processor of the knowledge. You have the idea. And that could be maybe in your head. If it comes to your heart, it means you're trying to separate out the components of that idea. And you're kind of revealing the principles inherent in the idea. And that can be built and applied elsewhere. We call this perhaps intuition. You understand one thing, not because you were taught that one thing, but because you were taught something else. And that other thing that you were taught helps reveal Thanks to the intuition of the heart helps reveal item number B. How does this relate to Torah? Well, we could say quite simply, the Torah must be processed. You understand a specific idea, but that is not a discrete idea that's limited. This, this, the only place where this is applied is where it is explicitly mentioned. No, the idea of Bina is to understand the principle, and to be able to apply it elsewhere. Now, it's interesting that the organ used to process this, we're told, is the the bina of the heart, bina's halev, the intuition of the heart. Science today, erroneously, thinks of the heart as simply a muscle used to pump blood. It's like a dumb pipe, as they say. It doesn't have any brains. It doesn't, it doesn't actually do any functions. It's just pumping blood. We believe that the heart is the seat of the soul and the venue in which we absorb and we process information. Binas Halev, we just read it. There was a recent study that looked at heart transplant recipients. You need a new heart. Someone dies, they donate their organs, and their heart is placed in the cavity, the chest cavity of the recipient. And it turns out, and this is so interesting, it turns out that the new new heart recipient has a totally different personality after the heart transplant. This is from the abstract. Let me read this to you. Personality changes following heart transplantation Which have been reported for decades including include accounts of recipients acquiring the personality characteristics of the donor. The donor was had a certain personality, and suddenly you have that personality because you have their heart. Four categories of personality changes are discussed in this article. This is from the abstract of that of this paper. Number one, changes in preference. Suddenly you like fish. What happened? Where'd that come from? Alterations in emotions and temperament your behavior. Modifications of identity, how you view yourself. And number four, memories from the donor's life. Isn't that shocking? (laughs) You think of the heart as just a, you know, this valves that are pushing blood in and out. No, it's actually much more sophisticated. The acquisition of donor personality characteristics by recipients, they hypothesize what it actually means. But it's interesting that in in the Torah, and this is not just in the Mishnah, but all the way back in the actual scripture of the Torah, it talks about the heart as being really the epicenter of a, of a person. And here we see how science is discovering it thousands of years later. And the inside of the heart, that is this idea of the inputs that are absorbed, that are aggregated from the rest of the world, what you study, what you see, what you learn, what you hear, everything that you are exposed to from the world around you, how is that processed? How is that added to the repertoire of knowledge and behavior characteristics? How does it change you? The heart takes what you have received from the outside and it's, added to the changes of how you live and how you interface with the world. So that's the idea of bina saliv. It's taking what you've learned and using that to now change how you live. And it's interesting, the word bina, which is the Hebrew word for intuition, that Comes from the same root as the word "binyan," which means a building. And this again works with with building. You, you're given a, a a bunch of ingredients, and you're assembling it into something new. You are exposed to inputs, you learn new ideas, and you construct that into something new on your own. And this is a critical element in life. Whatever you're learning. Whatever you're exposed to, it has something that can be applied elsewhere. It ought not to be discreetly understood. It's not just something which is limited to one area. And thus, of course, it applies in Torah. For example, there's something called a binyan av, which means a building of an av, which means a father. What that means is that if you have a lesson, a law, a principle that's applied in one area explicitly in the Torah, that can build, like a father can be applied to other areas, i.e. the descendants, the progeny of that idea, it can be applied elsewhere. So if you have a principle in, in one law, that can be applied almost infinitely in every other law. Unless you have a logical reason why it would only apply in a place where it is explicitly mentioned, you would apply it Universally. So just a basic example. The Torah talks about a laborer on the field. The laborer is working on the field. Torah says, well, if he's plucking your grapes and he wants to snack, you cannot stop him from snacking on your grapes. You have to allow him to, to eat your grapes. Well, what if he's not picking grapes? He's picking pomegranates or apples. So the logic of Binyan Av tells us that even the Torah mentioned it explicitly in one area, because there's no logical reason to tell us that it will apply explicitly there, it must be applied to every other area as well. And thus, when the Torah tells us something, again, it's explicit here, it's more logical for us to say the Torah is telling us a principle than to say it's telling us a discrete law that is applied only in one place. The default interpretation of torah is that it's telling us ideas that can be universally applied it's telling us principles not just discrete you know points of of law so again this is applied in torah and that is the process of absorbing something in your heart and developing the taste the twi- the intuition to know how to apply it but i think it's also critical in life Whatever you are learning, you can translate that into a principle that can be applied elsewhere. The Balshemtov famously said that everything that you see and experience in the world is actually a mirror reflecting back to you of what you need to focus on. This is almost like a supernatural idea. God will show you things that you need to see. And thus, every flaw that you're able to see in other people is actually a reflection of the flaws that you need to fix within yourself. And because we cannot judge ourselves, because we're so biased, the Almighty shows us flaws in other people. And the only flaws that we actually see and and perceive and notice are the ones that we ourselves are guilty of. And thus, that is a reflection that we have to take to ourselves. Now we know what we need to work on. So the canonical example of that is: if you see a sota, a suspected adulteress, you make yourself into a nazir, you abstain from wine because actually you have the capacity to make that same mistake. Even though it's counterintuitive, you, know, you see the sota, you're like, "Oh, I'll never do that." Actually, no. The fact that you've seen it, it's a message from God. Learn the lesson, take it to heart, quite literally. Figure out what it means for you. Whatever you see, something. Whatever you learn. Whatever you encounter, the quality of Bina Salev is to take a life lesson from that to figure out what the message is for you. What's the principle? What are the consequences? What can this teach me? As always, my email address is RabbiWalby at gmail.com.